Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. I'd like to start off today with sharing a story with you, and this is a true story. Believe it or not, I've got a lot of crazy but yet true stories that I can share, and so when I, when I share some of these stories, um, I know they sound sometimes a little too funny to be true, but I promise they're true, and it's amazing how the Lord gives you all these experiences so that you can use them as spiritual applications later on. You know, my wife and I are from Chattanooga, Tennessee. We lived down there from 2003 until just this past year in September. And one year, I think it was in 2006, Crystal's sister, her closest in age sister, uh, just, just about 10 months younger than she is, decided to come down from Indianapolis and visit with us for a few days. Now, the women in the family are not, uh, they, they are known to not be that uh, directionally astute, okay? They, uh, they you know, you can, you can tell them north, south, east, and west, and that doesn't really mean a whole lot to them. So, Amber, my sister-in-law, decides to come down and visit with us for a few days, and while she was down, we had a great time. Stayed almost a week, I think, and uh, did a lot of a lot of fun activities. She and Crystal were able to catch up and, and do some nice uh, sisterly things together. But as the week was drawing to a close, Amber says to me, now I've got to get back to Indianapolis because I've got to get to work. She was a nanny at the time, a full-time nanny. And she says, I've got to get back to work. And uh, I just need you to, and this was before GPS was real popular. And she says, I need for you to tell me some directions on how to get home. And I said, I've got you covered, Amber. I'm, I've made this trip several times by now. And it's so easy. There's just, you know, three highways and then you're home. So it's very easy to find. So I take a piece of paper and a pen and I write down step one. I mean, I went win, lose, or draw. I mean, I went as detailed as I could get without actually getting in the car and driving it for her. So I write down step one. Leave our subdivision and pull out and go to highway 58 step two turn right on highway 58 step three take highway 153 south step four take 75 south step five look for the 75 south 24 west split and take 24 west step six Continue on 24 West until you reach Nashville. Step 7. Once you reach Nashville, look for 65 North and take 65 North. Step 8, 65 North will take you all the way home. I don't know how I could have been any more detailed in those directions. Well, she left about 9 o'clock that morning and I had already left and gone to work and I was sitting at my desk at work And at about 1 p.m., my cell phone rang, and it was Amber. I pick up my cell phone. I thought, well, I wonder, she ought to be middle of Kentucky by now. So I pick up my cell phone, and I answer it. And Amber says, "Uh, Corey, I got a question for you. I said, sure. How's the trip going? Oh, not bad. But how long did you say I was supposed to be on 75 South again? Well, I paused for a moment, and I sort of scratched my head, and I said, now, you don't really mean 75 South. She goes, yeah. She goes, I just have never seen that split you were talking about. 
Now, folks, the split was five minutes from my house. And as she'd been driving from 9 a.m. to almost 1 p.m. before she decided, I ought to probably find out what's going on here. And I said, are you serious that you're really on 75 South? She goes, oh, yeah, I have not found the split. I said, oh, Amber. I said, where are you? She goes, I have no idea. I said, well, tell me what the next sign says. So she says, hang on a few moments. And so I wait. And she says, well, it says Macon. Oh, my. I, I immediately looked for one of those plastic grocery bags sitting around that I could... So I didn't have to tell her. You know, I wanted to tell her, oh, we're breaking up. I didn't want to have to tell her what she'd done. Here she had just turned a six and a half hour trip into a ten and a half to eleven hour trip. Well, more than that, it'd be more like 13 or 14 because she's now have to backtrack all that. And I thought, oh my. I said, well, Amber, you don't want to know what, what you've done. I said, you have gone. I said, first of all, explain something to me. How do you leave Chattanooga, Tennessee and go south for three and a half hours? You drive through the city of Atlanta, Georgia, which is one of the biggest cities in the United States of America, with, an, with the widest highway and the most traffic you've ever seen, with skyscrapers galore. And I said, you never saw that city before. How could you have made it to that point and not realize something is not right? Well, I don't know. I was just following your directions. I said, Amber, you were not following my directions. Well, of course, it was all my fault. And she was upset, and we hung up, and I called Crystal and told her what happened, and I said, I said, sweetie, I, I'm sorry, but it was all I could do to keep from just laughing because I couldn't believe that somebody could be so directionally challenged. But you know, it all got taken care of. I walked her through what to do. I said, you need to find the next exit immediately, and you need to head north right away. And I said, once you get north and you get back to Chattanooga, you will see the 24 split, and you need to take 24. I said, but you're going to get in really late now, so you might as well come back and stay. Well, she didn't want to do that. I've got to get back to work, she says. Well, she gets upset again after you know, she'd calmed down, and then she got upset again, and we were talking on the phone, and she says, you mean to tell me I can't just find my way home going the way I'm going? I said, well, Amber, if your SUV turns into a cargo ship and can make it all the way around the earth to the North Pole and then somehow turn into a flying machine that you can fly down from the North Pole through Canada, you might be able to make it home. I said, otherwise, you're going to have to turn your car around. But I thought about this situation, and she did make it home finally, and of course we had a lot of good laughs over it, and what's really funny is my brother-in-law, her brother, the one I baptized this year, he was much younger then, and he was with her too, and I said, I said, Tony, you didn't even notice where you were going? I said, didn't it seem kind of funny when you saw palm trees in Kentucky? I said, I, I, said, I just cannot believe that you were that far off the beaten path, and you didn't know where you were going. Well, I think about our spiritual walk. And I think about how that applies to our relationship with Jesus. So many people in this world are so far off the beaten path. They're headed so close to destruction. And they don't stop for just a moment to read the directions. 
They think they've got it all figured out. And they just keep on barreling towards eternal separation. The Bible tells us here, if you'll turn back with me to our Scripture reading in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Say amen when you're there. Alright. Starting in verse 12, Paul says to Timothy, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. This is a guarantee. He's not saying that you might suffer some persecution. He's not saying that that there might come a trial here and there. But he says, if you desire to live godly, if you desire to live for Jesus Christ, you will suffer persecution. Godly living leads to it. It's an equation. Being like Christ guarantees it. Jesus said that if the world hates you for your testimony, if the world hates you for your witness, don't, don't worry about it. Don't be upset about it. As a matter of fact, praise God for it. Because Jesus said the world hated Him first. And so it's a guarantee that if we're like Him, we're going to get the same response. Now this persecution, you know, a lot of times people think that, that the only real persecution is being martyred for their faith. But persecution comes in so many forms. You can be persecuted because, hey, I've decided to follow Jesus and now my family has disowned me. That's persecution, folks. I've decided to follow Jesus and now I'm losing this promotion that I wanted because I want to keep the Sabbath and that's more important to me than riches and wealth. I want to be a Christian. I want to keep the Sabbath and now my best friend is no longer my best friend. Being like Jesus will bring about persecution. But in that persecution, many blessings come to overtake the persecution. Amen? No matter how bad it seems, no matter how much the world attacks you, no matter how much the enemy fires his darts at you, the Lord is there to provide much more that will compensate you for what you're going through. The Bible continues on. Paul continues on in verse 13. But evil men and impostors, my version says, will grow worse and worse. And I looked this up in the Greek text. And the Greek text there is a, the literal translation. It says they will advance to the worst. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that a time will come unlike anything we've ever seen before. Daniel 12 tells us the same thing. It'll be the worst thing we have ever experienced since there was time, and we will never experience anything any worse than this as we draw closer to His coming. It says they will be deceiving, and in their own deception, they will be deceived. The deceivers, as they try to deceive the believers, as they work to take people and get them off the beaten path, as they come as, as Satan's allies and they work to get our minds off the focus of Jesus, they will become even more deceived in their own deception. But in verse 14, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith 
which is in Christ Jesus. We are to continue in the things we're assured of. Right here, the Lord has said, you have, a, you have a trip to go on. You have a travel to take in this life. You must ride the highway of life. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you a map. I'm going to give you the most explicit instructions that you can possibly have. So much so that the only other thing He could do is come down and put strings on us and move us in the direction that we should go. But see, the Lord loves us and He trusts us and He wants us to have our own mind. He wants us to make our own decisions. And He wants us to choose to love Him and to follow His directions. These Scriptures, the Word of God, gives us everything we need to be wise for salvation. We are to know where we've come from. We are to know where God is sending us. Paul says to Timothy to know where they've been taught from. Who has taught him these things. Where he has learned them. Make sure that when we're taking directions, they're coming from the right author. Amen? You know, I think of Amber when she's driving along and she says, I followed your directions. Well, how many times do we do that as a Christian? We end up in a mess We've created a mess of our lives. We have made mistakes. We have fallen off of the way. And we come to this, this brick wall and we say, where do I go next? And then we say, but Lord, I'm doing everything You told me to do. I have followed Your instructions for my life. The Lord says to us, no, my instructions lead you to the right path. My instructions lead you home. Let's follow the right instructions. It's easy. It's easy to get distracted. I asked Amber that day, I said, what were you doing? Well, I just didn't see that, you know, after, after she'd calmed down, I said, what, what happened that, that you missed that exit? Well, I don't know. I mean, I was just driving along and I just didn't see any sign for the 24 split. I said, but what I don't understand is there's about three or four signs before you get there in less than a three-mile radius or three-mile length of road that tell you that the split is coming. And as a matter of fact, when you exit off of 153, you have to get way over to the left in order to take the 75 south split instead of getting on 24. I said, so what happened? Well, I don't know. Maybe I was talking on the phone. Maybe I was doing this. Maybe I was doing that. Tony, how did you not see it? Oh, I was probably playing my handheld game. Who knows? The point is, in this life, there are so many things that seem so important. And they take precedence. And they take our attention and our focus. And we get so wrapped up in them. And we get in this thrust and in this bang of doing life. Whether it be work. Whether it be raising our children. Whether it be keeping our house up. Whatever it is, whether it be keeping the church up, and we do all these things and we get into all these motions and we think all that takes precedence and then we put Jesus on the side and before we know it, we have missed our exit. The Lord is urging us and challenging us to be grounded in His Word. Keep those directions handy all the time. Now we have GPS so we can be a little more lazy about watching our directions. Amen? I praise the Lord for GPS. 
it's so nice to drive down the road and have no idea where you're going and you can relax and have a conversation and you miraculously make it to your place all because you got this little box saying, turn left, turn right, continue straight. If you miss, make a U-turn. But the Lord has given us directions that have been written down for thousands of years. They don't ever fail. They don't need updating. You know, your GPS from time to time gets outdated because roads change. But you know what? In Christ, there is no change. The Bible tells us in Malachi, I believe it's chapter 3, verse 6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. He doesn't need to be updated. He doesn't need to be upgraded. You cannot improve on what God has already done. Turn with me to Ephesians, if you would. We're going to compare a couple texts here with what we've already read. Chapter 4. Beginning in verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Paul says, And he himself, that is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You see, the Lord has all of His tools. He has all of His instruments, and He has given us directions and a manual on how to use them. He has blessed us each with abilities to do His work. And whether that is to be an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher or whatever, the Lord has blessed each one of us. We talked when I first got here, the first few sermons I, I shared were all about the royal priesthood we're called into. And this priesthood is an equal playing field for everybody. The Lord calls us all to be instruments in His field, to be doing His work. And He gives us the directions on what to do. He gives us the instruction. Paul continues on, he says, "...till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man." Again, their sanctification. We are working. We're moving forward to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The Lord gives us the directions on how to get there. The Bible tells us in Psalm 33.4 that the Lord's Word is truth. Jesus told us in John 17.17 17 that His Word is truth. We don't ever have to question it. There's so many people in this world today who call themselves Christians and they discount what the Scriptures say. They say, how can I find a religion that suits what I already like and know? And then what they do is they look for a religion that fits their lifestyle. They take that on and say, this is my new identity. And then they say, this is what I believe and this is what I think. And now how can I find some verses out of the Bible that support that? And so many people take a verse here and a verse there and they build an entire doctrine. You know, if somebody's written directions for you on how to get someplace, and you take step one, and then you jump to step four, and you jump to step seven, and you don't read them straight through and take them at face value, what happens? Are you going to get where you're supposed to be going? I don't think so. Amber sure didn't. She went a couple hundred miles south when she should have been headed north. Well, just like we can't take written directions and expect to get someplace if we don't follow all of the directions, we can't take God's directions for our lives and pick and choose and assume we're going to make it to heaven 
and assume we're going to make it to where we're supposed to be going. Amen? Instead, we're going to fall right off and end up lost. Only this isn't a good lost because if you end up at the very end and you're lost from these directions, there is no U-turn. But folks, if you're lost right now, if you've not been following the directions, God says it's okay. There's still breath in you. You can turn around now. You can decide now whom you're going to serve and how you're going to serve. And you can decide now to commit to Christ that I will be anchored in your truth. Verse 12, he says that all of these things are given, all of these people are given their talents for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. He doesn't want us to be tricked. He doesn't want us to be lost. He wants us to build up and edify the body of Christ. He wants us to build up His church and we got to do it together till we come to the unity of faith. We've got to have unity. Verse 14 says, we should no longer be tossed to and fro as children and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You know, when I read this, it says carried to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. A lot of times we are afraid to use the word doctrine as though it's something, ooh, got to be careful. We don't want to preach doctrinal sermons. We don't want to talk about doctrine because that scares people away. The only doctrine that we should avoid is the trickery of men is the doctrine that is taught by a man's opinion. We should always be teaching the doctrine that comes from God's direction book. And Paul says, here's how we should do it. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. We need, to, we need to work together as God's body. We need to follow the directions that we have. There are so many people who discount Scripture. Who say, yeah, I know this is what the Bible says, but this is what I believe anyway. I found a website a few years back of a childhood friend that Crystal had. And in his website, he was claiming to be a pastor, an authority on Scripture. And he writes all of these beliefs, sort of his own fundamentals that he's come up with. And at the end of his page, I noticed that it said, I don't believe in spiritual gifts anymore. I don't believe in the, in the gift of prophecy in the gift of speaking of tongues. I don't believe in any of these things. And I, and I don't believe the Lord can use any spiritual gifts. He doesn't use any spiritual gifts anymore. Well, I found that interesting considering Acts chapter 2 and Joel. And I said, uh, you know, not, not to berate the gentleman, but I just wrote him a nice email and I said, I think I understand where you're coming from. However, can you explain to me? And I gave him a whole barrage of verses and things and just asked questions. You know, explain this, explain this, explain this. Hoping to start a dialogue where we could study together and maybe see where we stood. His response to me was, now I mean mine was like a page and a half email. 
His response was, I believe what I believe, and you believe what you believe. And I don't need some other preacher telling me what to believe. And that was it. Now I was a little bit more pushy, so I pressed it just another time. And I said, well, I'm not asking you to believe what I'm telling you to believe. I'm just asking you questions. You're making statements in a public forum saying that this is the way it is and presenting yourself as an authority on Scripture. And yet what I'm reading you say does not match what the Bible says, so I'm just asking you to help me understand. And boy, it got ugly after that. But as I think about these things, you know, and I thought about that experience, I thought, why do we get so stubborn sometimes? Why not just let God's Word speak to your heart? Why not just listen to God's direction and instruction and follow it? Why create a cookie-cutter belief that you want to hold on to or build this small little box and say, now God, you have to fit in here somehow. Why not say, hmm, it doesn't matter what anybody's told me. It doesn't matter what I've taught. It doesn't matter how I believed as a kid. What matters is what does the Word of God say and let me, like Romans 12.2 says, instead of being conformed to worldly thought and worldly thinking and man's ideas, why don't I let the Bible and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God transform me into something new? Folks, we live in a dangerous time if we're not walking with Jesus the right way. I have a Spirit of Prophecy quote I want to share from the book Reflecting Christ. She says, Men in this age of the world act as if they were at liberty to question the words of the infinite, to review His decisions and statutes, endorsing, revising, reshaping, and annulling at their pleasure. If they cannot misconstrue, misinterpret, or alter God's plain decision or bend it to please the multitude in themselves, what do they do? They break it. We are never safe while we are guided by human opinions. What is that? We are never safe if we are guided by human opinions. It doesn't matter what the preacher thinks. It matters what the Word of God says. She says, but we are safe. We are safe when we are guided by a thus saith the Lord. Oh, that is a beautiful statement. We can't, we can't go 300 miles out of the way if we are guided by a thus saith the Lord. We cannot trust the salvation of our souls to any lower standard than the decision of an infallible judge. Amen? Those who make God their guide and His Word their counselor follow the lamp of life. God's living oracles guide their feet in straight paths. Are you directionally challenged today? Have you had the guidebook sitting there next to you? Have you had your triptych sitting next to you? For those of you who are too young to know what a triptych is, that was years ago before we had any electronic device to tell us where to go. They'd go and map it out for you step by step. God gives us a triptych that we can follow. And it says that if we allow Him to guide us, let His Word be our counselor. And we don't try to nullify what the Word says. And we don't try to water it down and make it more popular. But we follow it, the straight testimony. And let it pierce our hearts. God's living oracles, His truths, will guide our feet in straight paths. 
Yes, we live in an age where it is popular to deny what the Scripture says and, and subscribe to opinion instead. There are so many ideologies that we can subscribe to. Ideologies that are full of enchantment, full of mysticism, full of superstition. And you know why? It's because in order to make a lie look appealing, there has to be some element of magic or fairy tale in it. We want some kind of fantasy type religion. I say we, I'm saying mankind, not we, hopefully not we. The God we serve does not play those types of games with us. He gives us the straight testimony. He tells us the straight truth. And He doesn't have to waver because He knew the end from the beginning. He is the Lord and He does not change. And for a heart that is searching to make it home, and I don't mean from Chattanooga to Indianapolis, I mean to our eternal home, only Christ gives the right directions that guarantee our safe arrival. Are you distracted today? Have you been traveling down this highway called life not knowing which direction to go in? Thinking you were on your way home and all of a sudden you realize you're way off course. My counsel to you today, my appeal to you today is that you'll grab a hold of your map. Grab a hold of your directions. Follow all of the steps. Don't skip any. Don't pick and choose the ones that you think will get you there and say the others aren't important because every step is important. Take God's Word at its fullness. It is the only guarantee. It is the only way to make it home. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.